everybody. It is August 31st already. John Lee and I are here to talk about the impact formula in a little bit more detail. John Lee, it's so good to have you back. Yes. Thank you, Sherry. And we are actually in two separate places this time. We are not sitting side by side. But, you know, life goes on and we need to uh, do other things in life. So right now you are in Florida moving your son down to college. Yes, I am. Yes. And I happen to be sitting here. So if I keep looking down, everybody, I have Mr. Mercury on my lap. So (laughs) he's down here and he is. Let me reset that. There we go. He is really uh, just wanting to be with mom today. So who am I? I'm Sherry Dutter. You have been listening to The Writing Glitch here, and we are uh, ending today the Emotional Kids Summit. Our regular schedule will go back to twice a month next month in September, and we actually are going to change the format a little bit in October. We are going to be the second and fourth, but I am going to do a little bit of a different twist on the podcast starting in October. So listen for that. But today we are going to have a PowerPoint that we are talking about. So we have really been talking a little bit about the impact formula throughout the entire month, but we really haven't gone and delved into what it is. So I've been talking a lot, John Lee. Do you have anything to say before we get started on the PowerPoint? Yes, for sure. I mean, this is, uh, I think, maybe the fifth, sixth, or seventh time we've kind of had this collaborative conversation for the Emotional Kids Summit. And um, as a wrap-up here and as a follow-up, this is really the preview to some up-and-coming things that Sherry has going on, that I have going on. And the big question is, are we making an impact? Are you making an impact? And so Sherry and I have this framework that we're going to dive into today that really encompasses the entire Emotional Kids Summit and puts it all into one process and system. So I'm excited to share about this today. Oh, yes, absolutely. So it is called the Impact Formula. And right now, if you are listening to this via podcast audio file, you cannot see this. If you would like to see the slides that we are going to show, join the companion course today because if you don't join it in August of 2023, tomorrow, the price will be uh, a little bit more than it is today. So if you join this before the end of August, 2023, you will have a $100 discount. The regular price is 197 You can still buy this. And so you can see what we are going to be sharing with the closing to the Emotional Kids Summit, but you can still learn from this process. So without further ado, the first thing I want to share is this slide. What am I showing? For those of you who cannot see it, there's a pool with a cement surrounding it. There's steps to the right with two. beach chairs. Off in the distance, you can see another house with what appears to be some 
sand and ocean or bay or some kind of big water behind it. How does that make you feel? So John Lee, how does this image make you feel? For me right now, fantastic because I'm in Florida and it's hot and the water appears refreshing. What do you notice about your body? Is it actually, you know, it's funny, Sherry, I I noticed I kind of like relaxed. (laughs) And that is what we are going to be talking about with the letter I here. And that is what is going on inside your body. Now let's go to the next slide. Ooh, now what do we see? We see caution tape with a bunch of police cars. And they look like they're in a cul-de-sac, but it looks like the SWAT team is even coming out or the bomb squad or something, but we're really not sure what's going on. Does that describe this scene that's in front of us well for you, uh, Johnny? It very much describes it. And what I see and what I notice and what I feel is almost opposite of what I felt with the previous picture. And it's amazing what and just an image will do to your body and your brain. I mean, it's, it's, I felt a tenseness, a tightening, bringing back sort of this visceral response to times that, you know, I've been driving through or by different neighborhoods and you see cop situations or caution tape. So it produces very different feelings than the last picture did. Yes, absolutely. So what does I mean? I means interoception. Interoception is really an awareness and a sensibility of what is going on inside your body. So what I'd like you to do right now is put your fingers on your wrist and take your pulse. What does that pulse feel like? Is your beat regular? Is your beat a little bit irregular? Is it fast? Is it calm? So really taking that time to figure out what is happening with your body. Oh yeah, if you can't figure out how to find your pulse on your wrist, you know you can put it right here in your neck too, in the groove of your neck, and you can get your carotid pulse as well. So you can also compare them. Is one pulse feeling a lot different than the other? So heart rate is one of the indications of of interoception. The other one, generally... Tell me what's happening in your GI tract right now. Can Are you hungry? Are you satisfied? Like what's happening? <laughs> That's interesting. And I actually wouldn't have been aware of it had you not asked the question. And I think this is what is very subtle about how we interact and facilitate with people, adults and kids, because if we're not asking the right questions or the right prompts, Sometimes that doesn't trigger the awareness that we perceive is supposed to be happening. Anyway, I say that because we are off to dinner after this recording here. And so I've been working all day and knocking out some really great productivity, you know, and and forgot to eat. So I actually didn't think about it until you asked. And now all I'm going to be thinking about the rest of the time is how hungry I am. Thanks, Sherry. (laughs) 
Hey, anytime, don't mention it, you know, how things go. So the next slide really encompasses our body and how it relates to our brain. So we have a skeletal system, a urinary system, a reproductive system, the endocrine system, digestive system, the skin, the immune system, your cardiac system, and your respiratory system. And they're all dependent on what's happening in your brain and the relationship between your brain and your body. So when we're thinking about introception, we're looking at how all of these systems are working together. So we all often ask, hey, how are you feeling? <laughs> what is that real feeling that's happening? And John Lee, I love this next thing that you do, and that is the color activity. So I'm going to let you share a little bit about how you do the color activity, and I would probably screw it up if it wasn't for you. That's okay. You just run the slides and, and I'll do it. So the color activity is, I work a lot with students of all ages. So preschool through college level, as well as training adults at various stages in their lives. With everyone that I interact with, whether it's a young five-year-old child or a teenager that struggles to understand and articulate their feelings, or an adult that thinks they know their feelings, but really haven't unpacked that in a while. This color activity helps people understand what feelings should feel like, what's normal, what might not be normal, and how to then describe that based on the four sets that we're about to show you. So in the next set, we're going to call it set one. I'm going to ask you to read the word. So sometimes ready? when I'm doing this presentation, I'll point to different words in random order. But when you see the next slide, and if you're watching this and you can actually see it, if you can only hear it, just try to get the gist of what's happening. We're going to read the word from the upper left in clockwise motion. So let's read the word red. Blue, black, green, red, blue, black, green. Green. And because that is set one, it shouldn't have caused us too much uncomfortability. Uh, unless you have a kiddo that doesn't read well um, or doesn't recognize those words. For most of us, this set one should make us feel pretty confident, should make us feel pretty good. It should have been pretty rote and pretty quick. So uh, that is set one. You know what? I totally messed it up. See, Sherry, you said you were going to mess it up, but I messed it up. The first directions were uh, say the color. Now it's say the word, but the same effect continues. So let's take a look at the next slide. We're going to say the word red, blue, black, black green, green. Red. red, blue, black, green. green. So I apologize for my mess up. It is read the color, say the word. And in both of those cases, whether you're reading the color or saying the word, there's no jolt that happens or this ickiness or this uncomfortable situation like we're going to see in the next two sets. Because, so, the, because the color red is associated with what's written in front of us. Red is red, blue is blue, black is black, and green is green. Now... We're going to ask you to read the word, read the word, and we're going to do the same thing. However, we've changed what color the words are written in. So let's do this one. 
I'm going to read the word. Read the word. Red, blue, black, green, red, blue, black, green. Now notice, and, and I've done this a number of times, that I've had to slow down because you have to concentrate more. I, I feel my body and my brain focusing more. I feel sort of an on edge feeling that, oh, I'm feeling a little icky, but that feeling is normal. This is more difficult. And in order for productivity or learning or success to happen, there are times that we need to go through these feelings and struggles. And then the final set is the most difficult. We're going to say the color. Oh, that should be say the color on the final set. And here we go. Black, red, green, blue, black, red, green, blue. And you can see and you can feel that that is much more intense and causes your body and your brain to have some uncomfortable feelings because it's much more difficult. When I point to the words, when I'm doing this in a live audience, I will point randomly and not go in the same order. So you can't get in that rote rhythm to make it even more difficult. But because the colors and the words are in their alternative color, it creates an experience for participants so that we can refer back to this when we're in a learning situation and the participant has to describe how they're feeling. They can say to me, Mrs. Z, I'm feeling like slide one today. I'm feeling like set one of the colors. It, it's easy. It's rote. It's automatic. I feel good. Oh, Miss Z, I feel like slide four today. I'm feeling a little icky and uncomfortable. This is hard for me today. Is that normal? And I'll say, you should be feeling like set four today. That is completely normal. If you don't feel like set four today and you feel like set one, you're actually maybe a little more advanced in this concept. On the flip side, if a student says, you know, I really feel like slide four today, I might say to them, look, I don't want you to feel bad about this, but you should feel much more like set one today. And that's okay. We're going to fix it. I'm so glad you were able to articulate. They have a reference point to tell me exactly how they feel through this color activity. So this really works great in the education environment because we are really giving them a tool that they can reference. Some of the work with interoception really is looking at each one of your body parts and giving some kind of feeling as to what that means, as well as the ones that you can see, like your eyes, your nose, and your mouth, as well as those internal organs, so that you can really start to identify what is happening and really try to look, almost like look at your lungs and find out what's happening. Do they feel normal today or don't they? It also is a great identifier for when you're having a not just right day. And that is, yeah, okay, uh, here I'm going with the adult thing. Here, I've got my period today. I'm just feeling like one of those days. So <laughs> women, you totally understand this. But men, you see how off the woman is during that moment of her cycle where it starts and it's just that off day and nothing's going right. We all have them. 
they are all normal. But learning how to express that icky feeling is really crucial to kids because they need to learn how to do it. So looking at all those feelings, <laughs> so this slide that's in front of you has all kinds of emojis on it with all different kinds of expressions. How do you feel today? So I want you to pause right now and think about how you do feel. And this slide has these questions that we've mentioned throughout this entire month. What do you see? What do you notice? How does it make you feel? And tell me about. Those are your three favorite words there, Jonalee. So tell me about these questions and tell me about. Yes. So oftentimes in classrooms in education or in intervention sessions or therapy sessions, we are quick as the instructor to tell, 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 tell. Nothing wrong with telling, but the problem is we may be teaching off of the student's perspective. So using these questions, I, as the instructional facilitator, can gain the perspective of the student before I actually teach them whatever I'm going to teach them. And I'm going to be able to customize my instruction to exactly what they're seeing, noticing, and feeling. And it's a good assessment for me to gauge what they know and don't know academically about the concept so that I can provide the next best instruction. So we're going to take the mask off those feelings and those emotions and really try to help identify them, whether it's your own or somebody else's perspective. The next letter in our checklist and our framework formula, whatever word you want to use here, but we call it the impact formula, is M. And that stands for metacognition. And that really is an intentional thinking about thinking. And there's several aspects of thinking that we might want to consider here. And that is recall, sequencing, organization, clarity, and problem solving. So, John Lee, what did you want to uh, add about metacognition? Yeah. So in cognitive science, there's actually a strategy for instruction called metacognitive feedback. And it is a feedback form that the instructor can give when teaching a group of students or an individual student or small groups of students that will help extract the student's skills in each of these areas that you're, you're thinking. And it's going to help students become aware of what thinking skills they're strong in and what they might be weak in and help them advance to the next level. And again, I can do that with the prompts, tell me about Tell me about how you're recalling or tell me about how you're organizing these manipulatives or tell me about how you're working through this problem. And it's very intentional to have the student become aware of what they're doing and not just doing it blindlessly. I love it. I love it. I love it. So one of the activities that I utilize to reinforce metacognition is this activity and it's hello my name is so right now what i'd like you to do is grab a sheet of paper and i want you to write your name the sentence hello my name is and write your name you can write your first name your full name it doesn't matter 
And then I want you to do it right underneath with your eyes closed. How did it change? Now, I'm going to have you switch hands. Underneath that, write a third sentence. Hello, my name is, and write your name with your eyes open using your non-dominant hand. Then I want you to do it with your eyes closed with your non-dominant hand. What did you notice? What did you see? How did it make you feel? Tell me about. Can you see how that can facilitate a conversation with your students? So what does it look like when you uh, write your name with your non-dominant hand there, Ms. Jonnelly? It goes backwards. Goes backwards? Okay. Yes. It's also probably larger. A little, a little bit, bit larger. Jagged yep. edged, jagged edges probably have some opens where they don't belong or some curves where they don't belong, maybe points where they don't belong. A lot of that quote unquote illegibility that we think about when we're kids are actually learning how to write. I do this activity so that you can get that perspective on what the kid might be feeling as they're struggling to write. So think about what your students are feeling by experiencing it yourself. So here's those emotions again, <laughs> those emojis. So how do interoception and metacognition influence dysgraphia? I think I just shared a little bit about that. If you have any other questions, please reply to this uh, summit, reply and ask me questions. You can always go to sherry.org.com or johnalee.com and ask us questions there. But we need to move on to the letter P, and that is perseverance. And perseverance is being educated out of our kids. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And Sherry, I was going to even just say right here before you go into some of the examples that perseverance is not even possible if kids have not, and I'm speaking kids specifically and in schools and in classrooms since you've said that, Perseverance is not even accessible or possible without interoception and metacognition. So if we're trying to improve perseverance from our students, we first have to go back to the I and the M. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to flash through here. There's some definitions by Stephen Kotler, by Daniel Pink, by Napoleon Hill and Angela Dutworth. But I really want to get to the activity and think about this as we do the activity. Here I am. We're, uh, we're on the writing glitch and we're talking about emotion this month. How does this make you feel? Think about it as we do it. Okay. Right now, I want you to put a piece of paper on your head. On that piece of paper, I want you to draw a circle. Next to it, draw a second circle. Next to it, draw a third circle. Head back to that first circle and draw two eyes and a mouth. In the middle circle, I want you to put on three dots. And then on the outside, we need sticks for arms and we need to put a scarf on it. What did you draw? I didn't give you what you drew before you, you're getting better at that girl. Not like <laughs> your, your snowman. I was um, ready to just give up because I don't like this activity. <laughs> but do you see why it is so 
crucial to share because it really gets to the heart of what a kid might be understanding as you're trying to instruct them. It's absolutely necessary. And for the instructor, it's necessary for the participant. It is frustrating and we want to give up, which leads to that idea of perseverance. It's perfect, Sherry. Yes. So one of the correlations here is that what your snowman may have looked like is the way that some, not all, but some autistic kids see the world. Very disjointed, kind of individual geometric shapes, but nothing is continuous. There is this not lack of continuum. Did you know that many autistic kids only see a mouth move and they do not see eyes. Hence, the reason that this snowman is so important is because it reinforces all of the body awareness as well. So moving on to the next letter, and that is A, and that is action. Before I share my story, John Lee, do you want to share something about action? I think you describe it perfectly. Maybe I'll follow up at the end on this one. I think um, I, I like the the sequencing that you go through on this. Sure. So I had a little boy in a class that I was covering. I was doing a maternity leave for a, a lady and I was getting like this influx of OT evaluations, but I was like, I'm not sure this kid really needs an evaluation or not. And So anyway, long story short is I teamed up with the first grade teacher and we did a before school program for six weeks. And James did a handwriting sample on day one and then again on day 30. And in between, we never touched a pencil. What we did was a whole bunch of activities like you might do at the gym. We did some triceps curls, some bicep curls. We did some cross knee lifts. We did some steps. We did the plank. We did push-ups. We did some warrior posing. We even did some triceps push-ups and some squats and some um, wall push-ups and things like that. Well, so we did all these activities. We followed them with activities where we put both hands together and we did the entire alphabet capitals, lowercase, and the numbers one through 12. And then we sent them off to their classroom. And around three weeks in, we're getting a letter from the teacher, which is his main homeroom teacher going, what are you doing down there? And we were like, I don't know. What do you mean? What are we doing? We're uh, doing exercises. Well, James is getting better. Uh, Okay. Proceed to the end of this six-week period, James' handwriting got so good, he was taken off the OT evaluation list, and he was writing better than some of the girls in his class, because we all, we, you know, girls are tendency <laughs> when they're like six years old to write a little bit better than the boys, but he was writing better, and it totally threw off this first-grade teacher, and yes, he's one kid. But he got me thinking about what's happening with our kids. Are we preparing them to be college and career ready? And I really 
was like, what particular exercise really made the change? And I started investigating some of these exercises and tried to really pinpoint. And I've been working with some universities on doing some study on the different exercises and breaking them down, almost like kinesiology, uh, really isolating and trying to figure out which one works the best. But I know, Sherry, you when you um, talk about action and, and a lot of your perspective on the action is the movement piece because the articulation that it takes to hold a pencil and you are always sharing about how that goes up the arms and into the shoulders and there's so much of a, a macro level or a macro perspective to look at when we are teaching kids some of these finer motor types of things that I think that that is important to understand. And for me, action really kind of relates to the T, which I'm not going to give away the T yet, but action is exactly what you just described. You did this program, you tried some things, you threw wet spaghetti on the wall and then unpacked it to see which ones were going to stick. And that is how we continue to have bigger and bigger impact. So yeah, I, I love that story. And, and I always think about how much the action, specifically the movements that we have kids make, even in 30 second bursts, contribute to the higher levels of achievement in all of these educational areas. Absolutely. So moving on to C, because we don't want to get this to be so overwhelming that nobody wants to listen to us, but it's consistency. And right now this month, we did this consistent thing where we were Monday through Friday. And remember, we're going back to Tuesday through Thursday next month. But consistency for me really has to do with how are we approaching the kids on a day-to-day basis? What are we saying to them? Are we switching the words up and confusing them? Are we from year to year using the same words? Or did the last teacher use different words than we are using this year? Are we confusing the kids by our inconsistency in our language? And how do we help them work through it? So. That's where I think about with consistency. Do you have anything to add, Jolene? No, it's perfect. And I love I, I love what you teach with consistency here. So this font is great for reading. What is this font? This font is the open dyslexia font. But guess what happens when it goes to writing? Kids try to color. They try to color in the different letters. They get confused because they're not really writing. So because of the thickness of this font, it confuses a lot of kids that are struggling with that bridge between reading and writing. So there are some fonts that I recommend, and they are Century Gothic if you're Microsoft, Poppins and Quicksand if you are Google, and Lexandeca. You need to install it on any computer, but if you look at it, there's only one letter that's not the way we write it. Do you know what it is there, Miss John Lee? I do because you're always giving me the answer. Well, what is it? Q. That lowercase letter Q doesn't have that flag on the back. But if you look at all of the other fonts, and you especially look at the capital letter I, Lexan's the only one that crosses the I. And so 
a lot of kids get confused. Is it an I or is it an L? They don't know because they're still struggling to learn what the letters are. And so they don't see that that differential. I'm throwing uh, this guy out here and that is the swan because I want to reference math disconnected. (laughs) I want to reference that because we talk about the swan inside the book. And so, John Lee, why did we pick a swan? Well, for a number of reasons, but I know that with consistency, there is a procedure and process when paper folding, when using origami, there's a fine motor, there's all of these connections to our work that can be produced here. And then we use it through the character development of one of the characters in the book also. Yeah. Brian loves his swans, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So there's a little tidbit. If you listen to one of the other episodes where we talked a little bit about Brian, Brian loves his swans. So here is the letter T. The letter T is transcendence. And I'm going to go to the next slide. I'm going to have you explain it generally. For sure. (laughs) Transcendence is, is really about creating paths not yet taken. And yes, in education, we want our work to be research-based and evidence-based. And through that research and evidence, we then need to take a new path using what we know Maya Angelou says, when we know better, we do better. And so how do we create and develop those paths? And sometimes that happens very organically. There was a college a number of years ago that when they were creating a new sort of mall or open area on campus, they did not put any sidewalks. It was just all grass. And the thinking behind it was, let's let the students walk for months and see where the grass erodes away and we can see the dirt paths. Once that path was, or many paths, were developed very organically based on the participants, based on the students, based on natural progressions, natural sequencing, just what was supposed to happen. Then the dirt paths were covered with where the sidewalks were to go. Many colleges have replicated this over the years and many other businesses and other organizations that have these big areas Because transcendence is all about creating the path of least resistance based on evidence and research because we now know better and we're going to do better. But some of where we're headed is unknown. And I say that this is related to action because in the education world, we are much too stagnant and we're afraid to take action because we're afraid of what might happen. Well, I am afraid of what's not happening because of the lack of action, because our vision is not focused on transcendence. So right now we have a picture up in front of you of a university who really doesn't look like they've created universal, like uniform pathways in front of us. It looks like they followed that trend of that uncharted territory to figure out where to put the paths later. And so the picture you see in front of you is just that. It's those paths that were created and generated 
after the fact. And then they put the trees up to uh, augment the environment. I do believe, from what I recall when I was looking for this one, that this is a picture in front of Old Main at Penn State. And I'm sure if you go to your university, you can find an aerial picture that's very similar because many universities are doing this now. So one of the things about transcendence, I like to think about transcendence as the metamorphosis of life. We have birth, the moment we are conceived, through the moment of our death, we have this transformation that's going to occur over time. And that's what makes transcendence a lot more of an effective tool than the word transformation, which is supposed to be that moment and that instant where the aha came in. The transcendence is how are we going to take that aha and that transformation and make it effective? So I like the idea of the um, the metamorphosis and the tools that we are using to really help describe the difference between those two words. And I think with this image also, we understand the natural process. Uh, and I'll just say, I'll connect it to the natural process of learning. And the way that schools and classrooms are oftentimes set up is not a natural process. You know, we're trying to fit that square peg into a round hole because maybe it's easier for the adults or logistically it's simpler, but it is the actual barrier to how we develop our learning over time. It's very unnatural at times, the way we deliver our instruction. And through this impact formula, we can start to checklist our effectiveness of delivering instruction to make it a much more natural process for our students. Absolutely, Jenny. I am, there it is. I was looking for the slide that I wanted to put up next. And that is really looking at the six steps of this formula, and that is introception, metacognition, perseverance, action, consistency, and transcendence. Each one of those is going to impact a child's reading, a child's writing, a child's math, a child's social studies, a child's science, a child's soft skills that they so that they're getting along with the other students. So it's going to impact their peer relationships. It's going to impact their adult relationships. What else did I miss? It's going to impact everything in their life. So the impact formula is the foundation of Math Disconnected. We've been talking about it all month and really wanted to end this month to get you thinking on how interoception, metacognition, perseverance, action, consistency, and transcendence are going to be that barrier or that accelerator to breaking free of that writing challenge or that math challenge. And so that's why you may have seen a shift this month in what I've been presenting because we did hack dysgraphia without a pencil utilizing this formula. We're also hacking math without a pencil 
end with this formula. We also used a pencil with math, but we needed to get the students to that point. Do you have anything that you want to add, John Lee? Our impact is really based on experiences. So teaching and learning should be very experiential. Now, obviously, we didn't have a lot of time to dig deep into this. I mean, this really could be a six-day course, a six-day workshop, but we wanted to give you a glimpse of each of the parts. And mathematically speaking, when Sherry says our impact without a pencil, without the writing utensil, there are so many emotions that come with mathematics or any content area. There's emotions that come in school. And so to focus on those experiences where we're touching math, we're seeing math, we're shaping math with our fingers in the air, we're using math tools, all of these sensory, multi-sensory, sensory motor perspectives for the student is just going to open up many more doors of opportunity and allow greater access for students to learn the content that we want them to walk away with. And as Sherry said earlier, to be college and career ready. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal of school is college and career readiness to be successful adults. So how are we going to accomplish that? We're going to accomplish that first by impacting the emotion that's associated and really helping the students identify whether it's icky, whether it's wonderful, whether it's somewhere in between. Next month, we will be back to the twice a month and look for new episodes on YouTube. So look for uh, Sherry Dottero YouTube channel because we're going to be adding the videos on YouTube starting in October. So. We have done some work on the back end here to help try to make this a much better podcast for you. This has been Sherry Dodderer. I've been with John Elise Panzik. We are co-authors of Math Disconnected. You are listening to The Writing Glitch. And remember, you were put here for such a time as this. And post-production is done by Sam C. Productions Sam, I just want to thank you for everything that you do. You are fantastic at putting the the music to these episodes and really adding that final touch. So thank you so much.